0: and even now is already in the world. Good morning, church. Good morning. Well, today as we continue our sermon series examining the letters of 1st, 2nd and 3rd John, we're going to be exploring false teachings and false teachers and how they hinder Us and our relationship with God and we're going to be looking at the antidotes that God has given us to protect ourselves from these false teachings and teachers. Now a lot of people have alarm systems in their home. Maybe you have an alarm system in your home as well and you know alarm systems are designed to detect an unwelcome intruder when, they, when an intruder tries to break into our house, they try to take away our peace of mind. They remove um, us from being able to rest. They cause confusion and chaos and danger. And alarm systems go off when intruders break in so that we are alerted to their presence in our home so that we can protect ourselves from them. And guess what? If you are a believer in Jesus Christ, God has installed a built-in alarm system right inside of you. And your built-in alarm system is programmed to go off when the evil one is seeking to bring distortion or lies or chaos or confusion into your life. This alarm system is called the Holy Spirit of God. And the Holy Spirit has the responsibility to help us. And the Holy Spirit helps us distinguish truth from error. And it lets us know which is which. Here's how the Apostle John begins the fourth chapter of First John. Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits, to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. Now there are lots of deceivers out there who want to dupe and trick people, even us believers, so that we will not get the full benefit of our Christian faith, because we'll be operating out of a lie, believing a lie if we're not careful. And so how do you know whether something is false or not. John goes on in his writing This is how you can recognize the Spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus Christ has come in the flesh is from God. But every spirit that does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. This is the spirit of the Antichrist, which you have heard is coming and even now, is already in the world. You see, it's all about Jesus Christ. It's all about Jesus Christ. It's what a person says about what they believe about Jesus that lets you know whether they are authentic or inauthentic. Whether what they teach is truth or error. The truth about Jesus Christ, that he has come from God and is the son of God, is no small thing. It is everything. It is the affirmation of the incarnation, meaning that God became a person in Jesus Christ and that he lived among us in the flesh. And it is absolutely critical that we understand that Jesus was not just an elevated human being that God turned into a great man or who spoke wonderful words and made amazing claims. Because you see, there were people in John's day who were saying just that kind of thing and they were leading Christians astray. They were teaching that Jesus was a good person but that he wasn't fully God. They were respecting him. They were even Elevating him, but they weren't deifying him. Now John wrote a tremendous amount about Jesus Christ. John knew Jesus personally. They were best friends. John was the beloved disciple. He had had the honor and the privilege to see and to hear everything firsthand from Jesus. And so John could write words like these. From John's Gospel, chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. John 1, 14, The Word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. And John 1, 18, no one has ever seen the Father, but the one and only Son who is himself God and, and is in closest relationship with the Father has made him known. You see, Jesus is kind of like God's selfie, If God could take a selfie of himself, it would look exactly like Jesus. Jesus is God incarnate. Jesus is God revealed to the world. He is the person of Jesus Christ, and in the person of Jesus Christ, God became human and God at the same time. 100% God. 100% man. So that God could reveal himself to humankind you see this at the birth of Jesus there we see a little tiny baby frail and helpless in a manger and yet at the same time that baby created his mother and all the animals gathered around to worship and adore him we see the incarnation of Jesus in a man who got tired and who took a nap on the stern of a boat, and yet who also calmed the, stir- the storm that tossed that boat around on the sea through his divine power. We see the incarnation of Jesus who grieved at the death of his friend Lazarus, yet who also raised Lazarus from the dead just a short time later. We see it in Jesus who got hungry and thirsty and heard the rumbling of 5,000 stomachs on top of that, and yet fed all 5,000 men and women and children with a couple of loaves and a few fish. We see the incarnation in Jesus who was whipped and beaten and nailed to a cross, who cried out, Father, why have you forsaken me? And yet it is by his blood alone that he atoned for the sins of the world. And three days later, that same Jesus rose from the dead so that we could inherit eternal life. Jesus, fully God and fully man. Now to either diminish him to only a good person or to make him so spiritual that he loses all of his humanity... Is absolutely not who Jesus is. It is not the core of his being. It is not his essence. If you hear it from someone, they are lying. Jesus is more than a great prophet, more than a great man. John says those lies are the spirit of the Antichrist. C.S. Lewis puts it this way in his book, Mere Christianity. He writes, I am trying here to prevent anyone from saying the really foolish thing that people often say about him. I'm ready to accept Jesus as a great moral teacher, but I don't accept his claim to be God. That is the one thing we must not say. A man who was merely a man and said the sort of things Jesus said would not be a great moral teacher. He would either be a lunatic but let us not come with any patronizing nonsense about his being a great human teacher. He has not left that open to us. He did not intend to. C.S. Lewis says, it is nonsense to see Jesus as a great human teacher. Call him the son of God or call him a lunatic, but you cannot call him something in between. There's a reality show on TV these days called The Mass Singer. Any of you seen it before? The Mass Singer? On this show there are some celebrities that dress up in costumes head to toe, fully covered, and then they sing a song. And there are some other celebrities who are also playing the game, and they are trying to guess the singer's identity only by the sound of their voice because they can't see who they are at all. And so they're trying to guess this identity. Who is that chicken? Who is the Yeti? Who is this crazy fish? Is it Larry the cable guy? Is it Taylor Swift? Is it Dwight Howard? They don't know. He's covered. They leave people guessing. But Jesus did not leave people guessing. He wasn't a mass celebrity. He is the proclaimer of truth. He is the way and the truth and the life and he wants people to know in specific detail who he is eternally. Jesus says, my sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. So You see, we have firsthand truth from people who knew and followed Jesus. Like John. Jesus wants people to know him fully. You might remember the story of the important conversation that occurred between Jesus and Peter in Matthew 16. When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? They replied, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and still others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But what about you, he asked. Who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, You are the Messiah, the Son of the living God. And Jesus replied, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. You see, Peter didn't make up his answer. He didn't even guess at an answer. No, when Peter proclaimed, you are the Messiah, the Son of the living God, it was revealed to him by Jesus' Father in heaven. John writes about the spirit of truth in us that helps us, that teaches us, that leads us into truth, that allows us to recognize spiritual truths that are distinctly different than what the world would ever teach us or allow us to see. John makes a very important point in verses 4 through 6 of 1 John chapter 4. He says, You, dear children, are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. They are from the world and therefore speak from the viewpoint of the world and the world listens to them. We are from God. And whoever knows God listens to us, but whoever is not from God does not listen to us. This is how we recognize the spirit of truth and the spirit of falsehood. You see, the Holy Spirit directs us in truth. It preserves us from error. It transforms our sinful hearts into holy hearts. It directs our affections toward our fellow believers. The Holy Spirit is that power that is greater than the enemy that is in this world. And it is in the inspiration of the Holy Spirit then that John writes to tell us that there is such a thing as truth and error and that we can tell the difference. Christians know this to be true. A number of decades ago, however, this postmodern worldview took hold in America. And it claims that truth is relative. For example, if it's true for you, then it is true. Everyone is able to define their own truth, but this is not so. And eventually that philosophy breaks down. Now we live in an age that some people would call post truth. Post truth would have us believe that truth doesn't even matter, that feelings matter. You can see this in today's rhetoric. You might look at Facebook as an example emotions rule. And that kind of worldview is perhaps even more dangerous for the proliferation of false spirits than the worldview of John's day. Whatever makes us feel good becomes truth. But listen, if you just follow your feelings, you'll believe every spirit that sounds good, even if it isn't biblical. We'll be tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. False spirits don't care about your heart, but they will use your heart against Christ. They will lead you along making you feel right even as Christ is being denied. But my friends, beloved ones, Jesus doesn't treat us that way. Jesus doesn't trick us into error. Jesus sends us the spirit of truth. And in this passage, John is showing us what that means. Every age has its own false spirits, but in every age, the Holy Spirit is also there, giving discernment to God's people and prevailing over false spirits. As we study the prophecies about Jesus, what Jesus said, what Jesus did, And as we read the Spirit-led authors who wrote the doctrine about Jesus under the inspiration of God, these biblical truths within us are strengthened, and they guard our lives from false teachings. I learned something interesting recently. You know, there are federal agents who learn how to spot counterfeit money and they don't learn to spot counterfeit money by studying closely the counterfeit bills. What they do is they study genuine bills until they absolutely master the look of the real thing. Because then when they see some bogus money, some counterfeit bills, they recognize it immediately. In the same way we need to study the truths in the Bible, to guard our lives from counterfeit false teaching. We have habits here at Anderson Hills to help strengthen the truth in us. We spend time daily with God. We pray. We read the scriptures. And when we read the scriptures, for example, in our Bible reading plan, and when we experience enrichment from our life groups or our bands, it helps to solidify those truths of scripture. And it makes those truths rock solid inside of us. John continues in verse 7. Dear friends, let us love one another, for love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Whoever does not love does not know God because God is love. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son into the world that we might live through him. So what is the connection, we might ask, between those first six verses and what John is saying here about love. I mean, John talks a lot about false prophets, and then it seems like he suddenly shifts to talking about love. Well, friends, when you're not being deceived by false teachings, it frees you up for Jesus to express himself through you and in you. And the greatest expression of God is love. You are a truthful reality of a loving God that frees you to love. You see, the Holy Spirit directs our affections toward our fellow believers. And the Holy Spirit works most prominently by transforming our ability to love others. John writes, God is love. And no other deity has shown the incredible love of God like Jesus Christ. His is a sacrificial love. And love demands relationship. The most incredible example of this relationship is the triune God himself, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, living together in relationship eternally. Dumbing down who Christ is dumbs down the way of love for us. If you know God, you listen to the truths of God. And those truths send you out into loving action. In the Gospels, we read everywhere about people who walked with Jesus, who ate with Jesus, who ministered with Jesus, who totally saw who Jesus is. And what happened to those people? They began to love like Jesus loves. They were launched into ministry. They became love to other people. We are people in the flesh who are filled with the Holy Spirit of God. And the Holy Spirit will always move us to love others in the same way we love ourselves. People who are not Christian truly do not know the depths of what love can be. But we do. There was a song made popular back in the day, back in the 80s, called I Want to Know What Love Is. It was a rock song by the British-American group Foreigner. It was released in 1984, and it was the lead single from their fifth album called Agent Provocator. And the song hit number one here in the U.S. and also in the U.K., and it is still the group's Biggest hit to date. I was reading a story recently about something that happened during the recording of that song. The band teamed up with a choir, the New Jersey Gospel Choir. They sing backup on, on, the, on the album. And lead singer Mick Jones writes, he said, We had done a few takes. They were okay, but they really weren't what we were looking for. And so we stopped We took a break. We all got in a circle. The guys in the band and the members of the New Jersey Gospel Choir. And we just paused. And we joined hands and we prayed the Lord's Prayer together. And it was like the Holy Spirit fell on the place. Because after that we did one take. And it was perfect. It was spirit infused. And that's the take that went on to become a number one worldwide single. Mick Jones writes, he says, I was in tears after that recording because it was so powerful and because my mom and my dad were in the studio too, he says, and it was so emotional. The lyrics to the chorus of that song go, I want to know what love is. I want you to show me. I want to feel what love is. I know you can show me. Let's talk about love. (laughs) It's, It's a great story, I think, about how they stopped and they tuned in to God. Because God wants people to know what love is. Like I said, people don't know what love is, but we do We are connected to the one who is love and who created love. And we have this ministry of love. And John says the way that we see it most profoundly is to look at the cross. He writes in verse 10, this is love. Not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. Dear friends, since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. As God loved us into existence and has given us all that we need to serve him and our fellow man, so we, in response, are called to love God by our manifestations to care and love for one another. This past Tuesday, our staff was discussing the needs that we see people have in the community around us here in Anderson Township in Mount Washington and beyond. (coughs) We were talking about how we as a church can meet the needs of people who are outside of the church. We talked about how we need to minister in god's love right here where god has planted us and one of the greatest things in this world is that the body of christ is who we are and that we are called to be the body of christ loving on behalf of christ i saw that didn't you in the video a little bit ago nine people that have been baptized in the last year at our salem campus 20 children who gave their lives to Jesus Christ for the very first time. Hungry people, people who are hungry for food or hungry for fellowship that are being fed every single Thursday night at that campus. And a myriad of other ministries that are ways that we express God's love to the world as the people of Anderson Hills. So guess what? God wants us to express to other people what he has expressed to us You see, love is always visible. Love is always stated vocally. God moved into the neighborhood, the incarnate word, and he ministered in the flesh. And so, in the very same way, we need to be God's incarnational expression of love right in our neighborhoods. We've got to move closer to people and love them right where they are. Because we are the body of Christ, and so every day we are called to put flesh on the work of Jesus right in our world. It can be risky, but it is worth it. We are to love like Jesus loved. The Bible says love never fails. So who are you loving outside the church? Maybe it's a neighbor of yours, someone that lives next door or down the block or a coworker or a friend, or a relative, or someone who sits beside you in school. There is someone in your circle of influence that could benefit from you showing them the love of Christ on behalf of Christ. God became a human being, and he lived as one of us. He embodied compassion by his actions and his teachings. He healed the sick, and he touched the untouchables, He embraced people when other people turned away from them. He spoke on behalf of people who have no voice. He taught us to serve one another in humility, and even he taught us to love our enemies. He stood up to those who put following the rules above mercy and compassion. His entire life was given in love, and it didn't even end there. In death, he gave himself in love as well. He went to the cross because he could only be who he was. And he stretched out his arms in love for the world, and they nailed those hands to a wooden cross. So let there be no doubt about what God is all about. Look at Jesus, and you will know God is love. So you become love to the world likewise. Would you pray with me? Loving God, we give you thanks for who you are, that your very being is love. We thank you for expressing that love for us in the most profound way ever in the life, death, and resurrection of your one and only Son, Jesus Christ, who lived and died and rose again. And Jesus, we thank you for sending your Holy Spirit to us when you ascended into heaven. Holy Spirit, thank you for leading us and teaching us and guiding us and equipping us and empowering us and helping us to discern the spirit of truth from the Spirit of of evil Holy Spirit come and fill us as your people fill us with the spirit of truth and love and then send us forth into your world to share that truth with everyone we meet we love you we thank you we seek to serve you in Jesus name we pray amen